Hey there, loggers, and welcome to another bite-sized episode of the Backlog Breakdown. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at one of my favorite little indie games, Rogue Legacy. So this game holds a special place in my heart as a gamer. This was actually one of the first indie games that I ever really got into. Uh, you know, back at the beginning of like Humble Bundle, when you can buy super cheap PC games that you could play on PCs that you didn't even have to beef up, like you could just get standard kind of off-the-shelf PC and play some old games, and you could dive into a bunch of indie games, indie darlings, especially in the early days of Humble Bundle, they had some huge, some titles that were very well-known, I will say, things like Fez and Braid and stuff like Rogue Legacy that's super cheap. Now, don't get me wrong, Humble Bundle is still great, they still do, you know, put out a bunch of great games, you can still get cheap, great games, but I think there was something, initially, they kind of had something to prove, um, and so they would give you some some real gems bundled together in, in like a package of 10 for, you know, $2, something stupid. So anyways, enough about my PC backlog. Rogue Legacies is, like I said, one of the first indie games that I ever really got into. I played it on PC a while ago. So I, I just want, well, there are a number of reasons. We'll get to it why I wanted to talk about it today. Uh, but what is Rogue Legacy? So Rogue Legacy is a 2D side-scroller platformer um, that has procedurally generated levels and is built around the mechanic that when you die, you actually play as a descendant of your previous character. The game has a great sense of humor because it uses tons of different uh, characteristics that your different characters can have. Um, for instance, your character, who knows, he may be colorblind this go-around. Um, and that means the entire game is in black and white. Doesn't really do anything else, but now it's in black and white. Or you could get something where, uh, say, he has ADHD. So now you're running at like twice the pace that you normally run at. It's, it's pretty crazy stuff. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. So this is, uh, like I said, 2D platformer, kind of sort of a Metroidvania, but it definitely leans heavy on the Vania and pretty light on the Metroid. Really, one of the things that stuck out to me about this game when I first started playing it was how similar it felt to something like Symphony of the Night. And that's really kind of what made me initially fall in love with it. I mean, I love 2D games in general. I love 2D platformers. Um, but this one, it, it, it's, it's very difficult at first. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a walk in the park. The whole conceit of the game, I mean, <laughs> not to bring up this game in every episode, um, but it, it is similar to Dark Souls in that, in that you are going to die and you're going to die a lot. Um, but you get to start over with a new character and there's some things that carry over like the amount of gold that you made in your previous run and the level of your character. So you're gradually growing stronger even though once you die, like, that's it. You're, like, that character is dead. You're no longer playing that specific character's life, but you are carrying along the plotline. 
I think when I played through this one, I, I initially, it, it took me something like 16 hours because I was hooked on this gameplay loop of getting back into the castle, um, going and fighting more monsters. And it, there's a real sense of um, danger and there's a weightiness to dying because if you have a really good character that you like, like you, you don't want to lose them. But eventually, you know, as you're running through the castle, the enemies don't continually respawn. And so the drops that you're getting don't continually, again, respawn. So something like health pickups are pretty sparse. And when you are able to get them, like you're not going to be able to go back and get it because it's procedurally generated. Who knows? You might end up in a castle this run where there are absolutely no health pickups whatsoever. Sorry, it is, that's too bad. One of the other things that does happen, uh, that does continue on in the game, is that when you beat one of the game's bosses, um, you no longer have to beat that boss in order to continue on. So the way that it works is, you know, you're this knight who goes into this castle, you're trying to defeat the big bad, and in order to do that, you have to unlock the gate to the big bad by taking down these four bosses. So you go through these four sections of the castle, and again, like Castlevania, they, they're different themes, so there's even sort of like this weird foresty, outdoor, spooky kind of theme uh, in the middle of a castle. I don't know how it makes sense. You know, in, in Dracula's castle, it's like, oh, it's Magic Dracula. Now you're in a forest inside a castle because Magic Dracula. I don't, I don't quite remember how they played that one off. But again, the game does have quite a sense of humor to it, so you, know, you take it with a grain of salt and you keep going. Eventually, as you progress through the game, the gold that you accumulate, you, you're able to build outside of the castle right before you go in when you're kind of setting up your new character. Um, you can equip them with different classes, um, with different upgrades and things like that. So I think I misspoke earlier and I talked about your character levels. It's not that your character necessarily levels, it's that you have purchased these upgrades from previous runs, which does something really interesting to the way um, that the game works. Because, because you're, you are constantly dying at this game, um, it's easy to feel discouraged, like, man, I'm just not getting any better. And so the sense of progression comes from the gold that you're able to get. Some runs, you're not even focused with getting to the boss and trying to be the boss, because you can barely even fight the normal enemies in this area of the castle because you're a little weakling. Um, so what you can do is you can just focus on trying to get as much gold as possible before you die so that you can purchase that next upgrade, that next character class, those, those buffs for your next run. I loved it. It was, it was very addicting for me. I know this game is available on multiple different platforms. Now it's available on the Switch. I highly recommend it. I just think it's a great game. Like I said, it got me, it makes me, reminds me a lot of Symphony of the Night, one of my favorite games of all time. And while it doesn't have the same, you know, RPG kind of progression, I do like the way that it's implemented in this game. And again, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's nice and comedic, and I like the tone that it goes for. Some other highlights in the game, I can't believe it's taken me this long to talk about it, is the music score in this game is just absolutely fantastic. I've used a lot of it to study. I just put it on in the background and just listen to it. This is one of the first um, kind of video game soundtracks that I got into, 
well, maybe it's just the whole, it's, it's the whole indie kind of revival scene because this is kind of like a 16 bit looking game. Uh, the music certainly follows suit with that. It, it melds some of the more classic kind of instrumentation with the chiptune sounds. And it's very melody driven. It's not um, quite as atmospheric as a lot of kind of modern video game soundtracks, if that makes sense. So high marks, lots of praise from me for the music in this game. So why, if you're a knight and you are the descendant of a knight and constantly the descendant, I mean, I think, I think in my playthrough, I, I, I had like over 200 descendants. So you're playing this for quite a long time if you add up you know the years and generations and stuff like that it's kind of crazy i'm not very good at video games sorry guys it took me a long time to beat this one but why is this game called rogue legacy if you're playing a bunch of knights like aren't knights and rogues kind of like competing classes they're not the same thing right you're not sneaking around at all in this game well the reason for that is because of the classic PC game. Uh, it was released in 1980 called Rogue. Okay, this was a DOS-based PC game that was a dungeon crawler. It used ASCII art, so again, running off DOS, everything is like a character that you could see on the screen. Um, I believe it was in color, but I could be wrong. I don't know. The DOS computer that I grew up with didn't have color. It was just a nice cabbage green screen. So who knows, maybe this one didn't have color. I haven't actually played it, but I have seen someone play it on YouTube, and you can search for it as well. Anyways, so this game Rogue, why why is it even referenced? Well, if you've heard the term uh, uh, roguelike for talking about a certain genre of game, it has to do with this game Rogue. So like I said, it's a dungeon crawler using ASCII art, and, and basically it does, the hallmarks of the genre, it, it does these certain things that that we have now carried over into the modern era and that is procedural generation right so each level of the dungeon is completely different every time that you play it lots of things are randomized and then the big thing with rogue is once you die that's it like there's nothing carries over to a new to your next playthrough it's it's death you just try again until you eventually are able to beat it now, something like the original Rogue can be, um, well, I don't want to overstate this, but I'm going to. It can be massively unfair. It can be nearly impossible for you to actually complete a run. But something, something about the game is that you eventually get better. I mean, you, you start learning the systems of the game in order to progress, in order to get farther. You as a player actually have to get better. You have to recognize the certain cues that can happen because the game is different every single time that you play it. You have to start recognizing, okay, what's the best strategy? How can I do this um, in order to beat the game in one sitting, really? So that's the original Rogue. So what's that have to do with Rogue Legacy? Well, like I said, this genre of Rogue-like type games um, are games that use a lot of the same things, like procedural generation, and once you die, you start over, and nothing carries over. So nowadays, we have two different terms. We have Rogue-like, which is a game that uses those very specific um, 
hallmarks, even when it's pulled into a different context. So we have games today like the Mystery Dungeon series that are very similar to the original Rogue um, in that they are dungeon crawlers, you know, one step is one turn in the game world, and once you die, well, you're dead. But then you've also got games like, well, Rogue Legacy here, where it still has the procedural generation, but there are some bits of persistence in there, like, you know, having these buffs to your character. And these are not technically called roguelikes, they're called rogue lights. So it's, it's got some similarities to rogue, but it still goes light on those similarities. And then you'll find a, a ton of other games, if you search for the same term, that fall into these categories. Because even something, pulling these things into a 2D platformer is a pretty, you know, is a pretty crazy thing to do. That's like a totally different type of game. But you pull that over. I mean, th- another huge game in the genre is something like uh, Spelunky or The Binding of Isaac. These are other some similar like rogue like rogue light type games. Uh, FTL's another one. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this, aside from Rogue Legacy being one of my favorite indie games of all time, is that I recently watched a video that kind of breaks down the idea of rogue likes and rogue lights, and the creator of the video gave his own um, explanation as to why he prefers rogue likes over rogue lights and it had to do with the difficulty curve of the game i'll go ahead and drop a link to that video in the description so you can watch it for yourself now i'm not trying to bash on the video i think it was great i think he gives a lot of really good points a lot of interesting points but i want to give my point of view as well as a 30 year old gamer who gets frustrated when it he, he's not making any progress. Um, so th- in this video, the creator basically had said that the way that the difficulty curve for a roguelike is that the game is always at one level of difficulty. And in order for you to finish the game, you as a player have to get better at the game. You have to know what the different elements of the game are, and you continually learn how to use those elements in strategic ways in order to finally break through that difficulty barrier and complete a really good run. Now again, because it's procedurally generated as a roguelike, you may have runs that are just impossible to beat. You can't do it this time around. So in that case, I mean, that messes up the difficulty curve. But regardless, you as a player are the person who's getting better at the game. For Rogue Lights, then, this YouTube content creator was saying that the difficulty curve is actually the opposite of what most games are. That when you first start playing the game, it is at its most difficult. Because the elements of the game that do carry on as you continue in the game actually buff your character in different ways. Well, then the game gets gradually easier because your character is getting stronger until you meet the where the difficulty 
and your skill level or, or the power of your character actually meet, and then you're able to finally complete the game. And while I do think that, that is an interesting way to look at it, I think there's a factor here that was not um, thought through all the way. Yes, I agree that the difficulty does decrease as your character gets buffed, right? I mean, that's just kind of straightforward. Yeah, th that, that is what happens. The game is at its most difficult at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, again, I'm going to reference Dark Souls. It's, it's pretty similar. You're a piddling little weakling at the beginning of the game, and you could get knocked over by, like, a gust of wind if you wanted to. Um, but that being said, progression comes in two forms. The first form is, yes, leveling up. In certain roguelikes, there are things that carry over that essentially level up your character. So buffing your character in certain ways but I do think that there is the presence of you as a player getting better at the game as well, along with the character in the game. And so not only is the game easier because of these buffs that your character is getting, but you are learning the game. You're learning how to play. You're learning different strategies. You're trying different things in order to get around different obstacles. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that sense of progression. In fact, I think the constant going back and forth between you getting better as a player, whether it's your reflexes, whether it's your strategy, I think the interplay between that and your character getting stronger actually allows for, I mean, I wouldn't say a better experience. It's certainly one that I prefer because like I said, I get frustrated if I put a bunch of time into a game and I'm not seeing any results. I mean, is one of the reasons why I like RPGs so much is that you can, uh, there is a sense of progression in almost everything you do. I think that's also what's sinister about a lot of mobile games is like you feel like you're progressing with when you do the clicks and then something happens on the screen. There's nice little confetti everywhere. But that said, I do uh, appreciate the analysis of these styles of games I just take a slightly different uh, viewpoint. And I would say that I, I enjoy getting that progression. I mean, you know, I don't mind requiring a little bit of grind because I think that grind allows you to see that, that you are getting better along with the character in the game. And I think that actually makes for a more enjoyable experience as you grow along with the character. So those are just some of my thoughts on Rogue Legacy and the legacy of Rogue. Um, I am just now, I mean, I, I honestly, guys, I have not played a lot of games in, a lot of roguelike type games, roguelike, roguelites. The true roguelikes have kind of scared me away. There's definitely a few that I'm really interested in playing. I've heard are great experiences. I just haven't gotten around to it. That said, in preparation for this episode, um, I'm playing kind of a, a mystery dungeon type game for the, the my 3DS called Izuna 2, um, and I'm enjoying it, although it's getting to a point where I'm kind of seeing some of the drawbacks of the systems, and it turns out this game is a little bit more roguelike-ish than I thought. 
Um, so anyways, I'll talk about that game in a future episode because it's already been 20 minutes. I mean, I think the timers are going. This is barely even bite-sized. But you know what we say, we're good at being bad at brevity, even when it's just me by myself. So with that, I'm just going to end it here. But I would love to hear your experiences. If you've played Rogue Legacy, what'd you think? Do you have fond memories of it, or is it just me? Am I just crazy? Was was Did I just have the rose-colored glasses? Did this just tickle my Castlevania funny bones? Well, no, that probably wouldn't be a good thing. I don't know. Did, I, maybe it was just where I was at in video games at the time when I played it. Maybe there are too many games like this one out now. Maybe there are better versions. I don't know. Let me know. See what you think. Uh, or, you know, reach out to me and, and see what I think about what you like. I don't know. Let's see. I just want to see, guys. You know what we're doing here and what you do when we do what we do, right? You guys keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Good night. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.